The scripture this morning comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 1 through 3a, and verses 14 through 25. Please join me in the reading of the scripture. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Sheshem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him, main, and gave him many descendants. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Sheshem he drew up them he drew up for them decrees and laws. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here with us and surrounding us with your grace and with your mercy. And Lord, we pray that as we come now to hear your word, that you will speak to us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, convict our hearts. May what we are about to hear be words not of man, but words of your spirit speaking to us. Move in our hearts, Lord, inspire us. And may we leave this place committed to follow your ways and to serve you in all the things that we do and say. 
And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in our text today, <clears throat> Joshua is near the end of his life and is delivering his last sermon to the people of Israel. The text that we read today is basically his entire sermon. You know, we skip from verse 3 to 13, but the text that we read today is basically his entire sermon. And his sermon can be summarized into one simple and yet very powerful point, and that is this. Choose whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. That is his last message to the people of Israel. Let me ask you, how about you? How about you? Who do you serve and worship in your life? Of course, you may say, oh, of course, you know, I serve God. But maybe it's not that simple. The fact of the matter is that we have many gods in our life today. You know, Luther, the theologian of the Reformation, he once said this, he said, anything one fears, loves, and trusts above everything else, whether that is riches, self, prestige, or whatever, is one's God. What this means is that all of us can make a lot of things into gods in our lives and serve these gods without even knowing. Is there something in, our, in, in your life, is there something in our lives that we fear so much that we let that fear control us and determine our actions? Is there something in our lives that we love so much that we put those things above everything else, including worshiping God and doing the will of God? Is there something in our lives that we trust more than we trust God? If answer to any of these questions is yes, then we may be serving and worshiping something other than God of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, have you made a decision in your life to serve the Lord, the God of Jesus Christ? Have you made a decision to serve the Lord and Lord only? If so, are you willing to serve the Lord at any cost, at any cost? Are you willing to serve the Lord even if by doing so, you may suffer trials and persecution? Will you still serve the Lord even if it may mean that you have to give up something you value in order to serve the Lord. You know, I hope your answer is yes, that you will serve the Lord as Joshua declared. But there's one more thing that is just as important as saying yes, you know, to serving the Lord. And that is knowing the reason for serving the Lord. What is your reason? If you are willing to say yes, I will serve the Lord. Yes, I will worship God of Jesus Christ and serve him only. Well, then what is your reason for serving the Lord? Why would you serve the Lord above all else, even when much, even when much commitment and dedication is needed in order to do so? How would you answer to your friends, to your colleagues or family members who may want to know why you choose to serve the Lord? In our text today, Joshua gives a very powerful reason for serving the Lord, explaining what it means to serve the Lord as well as how to serve the Lord. 
And I want to take the rest of our time to study why the reason that Joshua gives for serving the Lord, for his choice that he makes, right? First, let us look at the scripture here. Let's look at the scripture. And let's look at verse 1 together. Ready? Get set, go. Then Joshua assembled all the tribe of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Here it is important for us to note that Joshua assembled all people of Israel at Shechem. And he did this not by accident, but for a reason. Joshua assembled the tribes of Israel at Shechem because he wanted to maximize the impact of what he wanted to share with his people. For those of you who may not know, Shechem is a place of history and meaning for the people of Israel. It was here that Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, first came after he left his comfortable life in his homeland and became an immigrant because God promised to make his descendants into a great nation. You remember the story when God called Abraham and said, Abraham, I want to leave your homeland. I want to leave your family and just go to a place I will show you. Right? And in faith, Abraham left his hometown. He left everything behind and he just went. And the first place that he came and he stopped and worshiped God was Shechem. Right? And it is here that God promised him, God promised Abraham that God will give this land to Abraham and his descendants. And it was also here that Abraham's grandson Jacob settled and buried all his idols. Furthermore, Joshua and the Israelites came to Shechem in the very beginning of their conquest of the Promised Land. In short, the place of Shechem is a historical place that is also rich with spiritual meaning and significance. And it is for this reason that Joshua chose this place to challenge the nation of Israel to serve the Lord. So what does Joshua want his people to hear in this very historical place? Well, the answer is found in verse 2 and 3. So let's go to verse 2 and let's read it together. Ready? Get set, go. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God, Israel says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshiped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham, from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. Right? So, this is the main part of his sermon. And this part extends all the way to verse 13. Here, Joshua basically gives them a history lesson that starts from the very beginning of their ancestry root, right? And Joshua says, tells them that the story, tells them the story of their ancestors in order to make two very important points that form the foundation of his faith in God. This is the justification that he gives. This is the reason that he gives to the whole of Israel why he is choosing to serve the Lord. Okay? And he makes two very important points in this very short verse. First, he tells the story to show them that Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, was someone who worshipped idols and other gods prior to becoming the father of the Jewish nation. 
In other words, the great father Abraham did not start out so holy and perfect in the beginning, right? That's why he says, right? He says in verse two, long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshiped other gods. So this is surprising. This is really shocking to the Israelites. He's saying, look, your, your ancestor, the great father Abraham that is a pillar in your faith, in our faith, this father Abraham was an idol worshiper before he became the great father of Israel. The second, what Abraham, what uh, Joshua is telling them, the point that he's trying to deliver across to them in this sermon is this, that God looked upon this idolatrous Abraham with grace and mercy and blessed him to be the father of a great nation. See, Joshua basically says to the people of Israel, he says, look, if you think that you are a great nation today who enjoys God's special blessings, don't think that it is because you are really marvelous and that you have always been like that. No, the truth of the matter is your ancestors were idolatrous people who deserve only God's wrath and judgment. But it is only by God's grace and mercy that you are who you are today. Everything that you, ha you feel proud about, your, about in your life, everything that you think is great in your life, they didn't come from you. God gave them all to you. And they all came from God. Every single thing. Amen? Amen? That's what Joshua is telling the Israelites. Now listen to what he says. You know, we skip verse 3 through 13 because that's in, in our lectionary. We read from verse 1 through 3 and then we skip and we go to verse 14. But it's... It's very important to hear what Joshua says in the rest of his sermon. Listen to what he says, okay? And I will be reading this sermon, and you will probably see on the screen these verses from 3 to 13. It's very powerful. Look at this. This is what it says. This is God, Joshua, is delivering God's very words to the people of Israel. So Joshua is not speaking from his heart. He's actually telling He's being a mouthpiece for God, and he's telling what God is telling the Israelites. And this is what God tells the Israelites. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river. And as I read this, pay attention to this. Pay attention to how many times God says, I did this. I did that, right? I is repeated 17 times in this short verse. Listen to what God says. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in its midst, and afterwards I brought you out. And when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your ancestors with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. When they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. Afterwards, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then what? I brought you 
to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I handed them over to you and you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. Then King Balak, son of Zippor of Moab, sent out to fight against Israel. He sent and invited Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you, but I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he blessed you, so I rescued you out of his land. When you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, right? the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I handed them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove out before you the two kings of Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and towns that you had not built, and you live in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive yards that you did not plant. Amen? See how many times God is telling them, look, it is I who did all of these things for you. This is the reason why Joshua chooses to serve the Lord. It's because it is, not, it is only by Lord's grace that he is who he is and that without God, he is nothing. It is very easy and tempting also for us to think that the things that we have and enjoy today such as our health, our fortune, our career opportunities, our accomplishments and success, they're all because of what we have done and how we have worked so hard for them. Of course, that is the myth that Joshua is trying to shatter in people's mind in this sermon. If there's anything that is good in us, Josh is saying, it is God's doing. It is God's doing, not ours. Amen. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says the following. He says, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Yes, if we are really honest with ourselves and look back into our lives, we will find that every one of us came from a very humble beginning. All of us were weak, small, poor, and separated from God in our lives in the very beginning. But by God's grace, we became the children of God and are now able to live the life that we live today, isn't it? So until we are ready to make the confession that Joshua makes, unless we truly believe that it is by God's grace that we are who we are, we will not be able to serve the Lord in our lives. In other words, serving the Lord begins from the recognition, from the realization that it is from God that everything came. It is by God's mercy and by God's mercy and grace alone that we are who we are today as people of God. Amen? Amen. As Paul Tillich says, you know, American theologian says, God is the ground of all being, meaning that God is the ground. He's the foundation of our all being. And what happens when the foundation is gone? All that being just disappears. It, it crumbles. That without God, we don't exist. We, we have no chance. And that's why Joshua is saying, for me and my household, 
we will serve the Lord because the Lord is the ground of all being, that the Lord is the foundation of our being and all that we enjoy and that we hope for. So, so Joshua said that he will serve the Lord because it is only by God's grace that he is who he is and that he's able to live his life. And then he goes on to teach people what it means to serve the Lord and how to serve the Lord. So let us look at that. Now let's go to verse 14. Verse 14. Let's read together. Ready? Get set, go. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, today's text that we read is NIV version, meaning New International Version. And you know, the Bible is written in many different um, versions. And little different versions have used different translations, and the meaning can sound a little bit differently. So the, the, the scripture that we read is called NIV version. And if you go and look at it um, in a different version, and I will read to you from how it reads from what we call new, new revised um, standard version. It's called NRSV version. And this is how it reads. The same verse reads in, in this way. Instead of saying, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, you know, he say, it says, now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. If you read this in King James Version, this is how it reads. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. So when it says, now fear the Lord, you know it's not talking about being afraid of God. Okay? You know it because if you read it in an RSV version, it says revere the Lord. So it's a fear that is not related to terror or being afraid of something. It's a fear that is more like reverence, honor, and respect. And then Joshua says, serve him in sincerity and in truth. See, in our NIV version, it simply says, serve him with all faithfulness. And I think for me, I like the King James Version, NRSV Version, better because it, it helps us to go deeper into what it means for us to serve. Okay? So Joshua says, says serve him in sincerity and in truth, or in sincerity and in faithfulness. Now, the Hebrew word for sincerity suggests fullness or completeness. It is the idea that one is on the outside, inside what he is on the outside. That's what it means to be sincere. That your inside is same as your outside. Okay? Now, what do we call a person whose inside is different from one's outside? And we have people like that in our society. Right? What do we call that a person? A liar, a fake, a hypocrite. Right? Joshua is saying, when we serve the Lord, don't fake it. Don't just go through religious motions every week. Don't just say, amen, but never get involved or do anything. He says, no, if we really want to serve the Lord, then we must be willing to serve the Lord with our inside, meaning our hearts, our thoughts, our attitudes, our desires, and so forth, as well as with our outside, meaning our talent, our time, and our treasure. Joshua also says we should serve the Lord in truth. The Hebrew word for truth is emet, which refers to a truth that has proven itself reliable. This word can also be translated as faithfulness or even as reliability. 
In other words, we cannot serve God if we have a change of heart every other day or become unreliable in the way we get involved with church ministry or community programs. It means that if we were to truly serve the Lord, we will serve the Lord without change or waver, both in good times as well as in bad times. Amen? How are we? I mean, as a pastor ministering, I see this so many times, where a person, whatever that happened, I don't know, all of a sudden she decides not to serve. All of it says, I quit. Why? Because there was a challenge. Something happened, right? And all of a sudden, when, when the person runs into an obstacle or, or something happens, the desire to serve the Lord goes out the window, and the person says, I quit. That is not serving in sincerity and in truth, right? In truth, meaning it means reliability. It means faithfulness that doesn't change from situation to situation. It's serving the Lord in good times as well as in bad times. And I, I tell you, I guarantee you, we will have some bad times. And it is during those bad times that our serving the Lord in sincerity and truth will be tested. Right? Serving the Lord in truth is about serving the Lord with unwavering commitment and dedication. Not just in good times, but especially during those difficult, frustrating, and stressful times. You know, a missionary society wrote to David Livingston, who was out in a very remote mission field. And this missionary society asked Livingston, David Livingston, a very well-known missionary, they asked him, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. And guess how Livingston responded back to them? Livingston wrote back, wrote back to them, if you have men who will come only if they know, if only if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want them, I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Even if there is no road at, road at all. I believe that one of the reasons why we today in our modern times, why we do not experience God's power in our lives is because we are always looking for a good road to travel. And if we don't see any good road, we just sit where we are and do nothing. If we, if we really serve the Lord in truth, then we will see God and experience his power. If we are willing to go wherever God sends, sends us, where, whether there is good road to it or where there is no road to it, and if we're really willing to say, yes, Lord, I will go and I will serve you, then you will see the power of God working in your lives. Finally, there is another point that Joshua makes that is important for us to note as we seek to understand what it means for us to serve the Lord. Let's read verse 15 again. Verse 15. Ready? Get set, go. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, here Joshua says that serving the Lord is a choice that one makes. He says, choose whom you will serve. And he says, you can choose the gods your forefathers served beyond the river 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Right? Here, Joshua is pointing out, pointing out that our choice can be influenced by two things. By the things of the past, you know, which he refers to as gods their forefathers served, as well as by the present context, the gods of the Amorites in the land that you are now occupying, you are now living. Now, what can we make sense of this for us today? One way, to be, one way is to be mindful that the things of the past, such as our religious and cultural traditions, or ways that some things have been done in the past, can be something that we hold on to so tightly that we, they can become our Lord. In other words, you know, we can say, this is the thing, this is the way that we've always done in the past. And we hold on to that tradition. You know, we hold on to the way that we've worshipped. We hold on to the music that we love. We hold on to the worship that we like. And we say, we don't want to change. We want to just stay here. We want to just hold on to this. And we will resist any kind of change that will take us away from what we are used to, what we love, what we enjoy. Then, in fact, that can be an adultery. In fact, that means you're serving the God of your forefathers. Because, you know, God's is always looking for ways to stretch us and to lead us into a new place where we can grow and be challenged. But in our own complacency, in the things that we enjoy, in our own traditions, we hold on to our traditions and the way we have always done and the things that we like, and we think this is what we want. Also the thing, you know, and he also says what? Choose the gods of the Amorites in the land that you are now living, right? Here, he's, I think he's referring to the things of our present time, such as our culture that continually shape our values and our sense of meaning and purpose, the things we enjoy and cherish in our society today, and the ideas and lifestyle that are in trend. And these all things can be things that we serve as if they are God. You know, as I said in the beginning, we live in a world where there are many gods to choose from. And so many things can take the place of our God of Jesus Christ. And it is to people like us and to the world like ours, Joshua says, for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know, what Joshua is declaring here is that he and his household will not compromise nor negotiate with lifeless traditions of the past nor tempting lures of the present time, but walk a straight path, wavering neither to the right nor to the left. In a way, Joshua's declaration about serving the Lord is a countercultural and therefore a very radical declaration. His declaration is not about meeting in the middle or mingling with others or just getting along with others but a declaration to be different and to be separate, even if it were to mean that they may be alienated from others as a result of it. You know Pastor Rick Warren, you know that Saddleback Church pastor, right? The mega church pastor. And this is, he said one, this once, and I, I really resonate with him. He said, a lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good, just because it's accepted by a majority. You know, Joshua's declaration is a declaration to be faithful and single-minded in serving the Lord 
and not going with the flow or with what the majority says. May we also be like Joshua in how we live our lives and how we, we serve the Lord. May God also grant us faith that will allow us also to say, for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Think about it. When Josh says, for me and my household, what he's saying is, look, even if all of you go that way, I will go this way. Even all of you don't follow me, me and my household will do this. He's risking everything. He's willing to say, look, even if we be the only person, only family, they will serve the Lord. And by doing so, we will be considered as strange or different or we'll be weird and you guys can ostracize us and we will be singled out. Even if that's the case, we will serve the Lord and you guys can take whatever you want. May this boldness, may this faith, may this courage be in all of us. Amen. Let us pray. Lord of Israel, who called each and every one of us to live as your people in this world, grant us the bold faith of Joshua, who did not hesitate to choose to serve you in the land of many gods. Help us to commit our lives in serving you with unwavering faith, and help us to model the faith that is genuine and true to all those around us. Help us to boldly lift up and live out the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world. Even, it may, even if it may mean that we're going to have to walk a lonely road by ourselves. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Teacher and Redeemer, we pray. Amen.